Hey guys, and welcome back to Both Place Studios. My name is Carly Crane, and I'm a junior here at Springfield College in the Communications and Sports Journalism major, and also double majoring in Sociology. Today, I'm doing a podcast episode about a story I'm writing for the Springfield student about BIPOC mental health. In case you didn't know, BIPOC stands for Black Indigenous People of Color. On November 4th, the Springfield student and the SCTV3 club are coming out with publications and shows about mental health. The Both Place Studios Network is also coming out with podcasts about the topic as well. A few weeks ago, I came up with the idea about doing a story regarding BIPOC mental health. With the recent surge of interest in race-related issues, I thought this would be a story that many people would find interesting. From my own research, I found that different ethnic groups see mental health in different ways. African Americans, for example, feel that it is a sign of weakness when someone reaches out for help regarding their own mental health. Many Hispanics, on the other hand, see mental health not as an emotional issue, but something wrong physically. They are more likely to reach out to their primary care physicians or other doctors that are not trained in mental health counseling or psychology. Socialization plays a huge role in how we see mental health. The way we are raised in our families, in our friendships, and within our environments shape our views, opinions, and thoughts. This goes hand in hand with mental health. It's also important for many BIPOC students to reach out to someone who has shared similar experiences. The key person I interviewed for this story is Tiffany Benford from the Counseling Center. I spoke with her for her knowledge about BIPOC mental health. Well, we know that historically speaking, BIPOC students, well, research now, newer research also links, you know, the fact that there is more collective trauma among BIPOC students due to intergenerational trauma whether that means whether that means more recent migration, like immigration to the United States, or um, just the pressure to assimilate into mainstream culture that is more the dominant white Christian, you know, Anglo-Saxon, like European um, sort of foundation of this country. Um, but you know, there also by students, I think there's a component where it is more stigmatized or historically has been more stigmatized in our BIPOC communities to receive assistance around mental health. I think there's also a connection around religiosity and cultural norms within BIPOC communities that don't necessarily fall into kind of the acceptance of a mental health professional assisting you with these challenges. It's more like looking to the community and looking to um, it's like a spiritual component rather than necessarily like a mental wellness or psychological component. But I think that's shifting and has been for some time. There's also like a lot of new therapists coming out, like myself and other people in the last 10, 15 years that are doing research on, you know, the way that our communities are extremely resilient, how to bring that into um, mental health spaces and kind of challenge the norm of what cultural competency looks like and really doing it from a lens of like you know a lens that is um one of equity and that means like looking at research that's not just based on white male or white female um data yeah. even in mental health is very much driven profit based it's profit driven and when you do that um it's there's more room to dehumanize people and if there's already systems of you know, racist systems within the infrastructure that is in place, right? You know, because the medical the medical model of the U.S. is different than other parts of the world. And so when you take what is an inherent system anyways that is based on 
the profit of people's bodies and the commodification of people's bodies, then there's more room to dehumanize, right? And so if you already have a history, you already have a historical context of a country seeing BIPOC people as others and not, uh, you know, as either inferior or um, something inherently wrong or inherently non-human, which is if you look at, talks about the uh, just the impact of slavery and uh, the commodification of black and brown bodies, and even for some time, just poor white bodies that were here that were from Europe. Um, you know, there's a lot of different testing that we was supposedly science, it wasn't real science, to put people in categories that date all the way back to, you know, the origination, quote-unquote, you know, of, uh, of the U.S. that really, you know, we know that the history erases all the indigenous people here, so... We have to keep that in mind when we're talking about this, but also even even then, we're when we're talking about indigenous communities, how the uh, the dominant healthcare system also like excludes or doesn't make a lot of room for people that bring their own healing practices, um, and that includes the mental health field. So I think that the shame that we're that we see and the kind of like the uh, resistance or being turned away or being blamed for one's problem, um, it just comes from a bigger problem. Benford emphasized that the way BIPOC mental health is looked at is a systematic issue. Studies have shown that BIPOC individuals are more likely to have anxiety, depression, and PTSD. And as Benford mentioned, this is due to the long history of racism in America, which has cultivated intergenerational trauma. Most recently, with the numerous murders of innocent black people and the violence toward Asians, many BIPOC individuals are struggling with their own mental health. Turning on the TV or scrolling through Instagram and seeing people that look exactly like you dying is hard. What if that was me? What if that was someone from my family? There are many factors that leave BIPOC individuals feel hopeless about the healthcare system. According to TheUndefeated.com, black people are more likely than whites to say it's difficult for them to find a doctor who shares their background and experiences. I talked with senior psychology student Isaiah Cashwell Doe about his mental health journey as a young black man. While I wanted my story to be educational and informative, it was important to me that I included a personal account from a student. Isaiah spoke a lot about how his family dynamic contributed to his thoughts about mental health. He learned to not show his emotions and quote-unquote be strong and quote-unquote be a real man. Toxic masculinity is a huge factor in BIPOC mental health because men are taught from a young age that being emotional and vulnerable is a bad thing. Combine this with race and many BIPOC individuals feel trapped. At a young age, you're kind of just taught to like hide it in just because we're black people are kind of like looked at not weaker, but they could be like little sometimes. And therefore, like when I was growing up, my parents like I never showed emotions. I was at a medical school, so a predominantly white school, like going to the suburbs. And, um, like, we didn't really have all the, like, we just have, didn't have things that people in the suburbs had. And so you're kind of looked at as, like, all right, don't show any weakness. And then growing up, uh, you just kind of forget to express your feelings. Like, you kind of forget to be vulnerable sometimes. And that can take a definite toll. We felt that kind of, especially going to Springfield College, like, your, and then the platform that I have for sports and, uh, like, the club just... People expect you to, like, say things, like, people expect you to be that leader off-rip, and, like, there's just times where, like, I just didn't want to. Like, you're, you're sitting there, and all this stuff's going on around the world, and then people are expecting you to say something, just so, like, someone else can get understanding. 
So, like, yeah, that kind of takes a little toll on the mental health just because you don't want to. Like, you don't want to say anything. You want to just, like, just go live through the moment. Like, that's a rough moment for, I think, black people as a whole. And then you're expected to say something immediately. Like, you're expected to be, like, that mentor leader. And that definitely can, uh, it can do some damage, like, just some slight damage to where, like, you feel like a, pr- a lot of pressure's on you along with the other things that you have to do. Like, all that, like, this, the way that uh, black people are treated as a whole, like, you become numb and that is like the, that's the sad part too like it just seems like oh that's normal or whatever it's just happening again like stuff like that like it's old but you kind of come numb to it unfortunately i decided to start my story with a quote from isaiah that really stuck with me the way black people are treated you just become numb to it which is the sad part nobody should ever feel like they have to become numb to hate ever we as a society need to do better in a capitalist society the focus is always on money this belief disproportionately hurts bipoc individuals especially in the healthcare industry. Studies have shown that healthcare providers are more likely to take on white patients because it can bring them more money. Another stat I included in my article was 23% of Native and Indigenous people suffer with a mental illness compared to 17% of Black people, 15% of Hispanic and Latinx Americans, and 25% of those who identify as multiracial, according to Lifeline Connections. Many BIPOC communities also face numerous social issues, like poverty and homelessness, that can expose them to more risk factors regarding mental health, while also creating a narrative that BIPOC people are quote-unquote less than. After writing this story, I realized even more the systematic issues that have become normalized in our society. Personally, I love going to see my therapist. It's the highlight of my week. The fact that many people don't have that same opportunity due to denial of service, lack of health insurance, language barriers, and more breaks my heart. Therapy is something to never be ashamed of. Keeping this conversation going will make the topic of mental health less taboo. So let's get to work. Mental health matters. You matter. Well, I'll see you guys next time when I chat about one of my other stories I'm working on, either for the Springfield Student or the Oval Magazine. I know this is kind of short, but I thought it'd be fun to do a mini behind the scenes of what it's like to be a journalist. Make sure you guys follow the Birthplace Studios Network on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you guys next time.